Hello and welcome to A Murderous Affair. My name is Gabrielle and this is the podcast where I talk about women in history known for mayhem and murder. It has been two weeks since our last episode instead of one week, which I apologize for because I came down with the worst sickness, not COVID, or monkeypox, which are apparently the new plagues currently circling. Um, And polio's back, I guess. So, you know, we're just living in real fun times. But I picked up an eye infection from one of the kiddos I worked with, and then my boyfriend had a cold, which of course I picked up, but because my immune system was already crap, it turned into a sinus infection, and just around and around and it went, and just became this nightmare of sickness, but finally it's over now. Before we talk about our woman of the week, we actually have to go back to a woman we talked about previously, Caitlin Armstrong. Now, if you haven't been following the Caitlin Armstrong case or you don't really know who she is, I would highly recommend you check out our mini episode talking about her. Um, But basically, Caitlin Armstrong was a wanted felon up until June 29th. She was wanted in question for the May 11th, 2022 murder of Mariah Wilson, who was a um, like amateur bicyclist and was like on her way to making big leagues and was really like really good at what she did. Um, It turns out that Armstrong and Wilson were dating the same man and when Armstrong found out that they were seeing each other she was seen near Wilson's apartment in Texas the day that Wilson died. She was brought in for questioning due to the fact that she had an outstanding warrant but there was a mix-up on the warrant and she was allowed to leave, which then led to her fleeing Texas and the country and evading the feds for 43 days. Now, this all leads us to June 29th, 2022, which I know is a little while ago, but I've been kind of out of the loop for a bit, so I really wanted to talk about this whole thing. Um, On June 29th, 2022, she was arrested in Costa Rica. And this is what we've been able to put together so far. So... Following the murder of Mariah Wilson, Armstrong sold her Jeep for $12,000 and then fled the country. She was uh, on her sister's passport, which was how she was able to leave without um, like it being flagged as her leaving the country. She also had a United Airlines boarding pass, which was under her sister's name, from the Newark airport to Costa Rica. There, once she arrived in Costa Rica, she laid low at a small beach town, apparently started dating locals, and continued her yoga practice. <laughs> what? Like, who? This is insane. Um. Anyway, among her possessions that were found were medical cards and paperwork that included a receipt for a $6,360 worth of plastic surgery under the name Allison Page. This was on June 23rd at a medical center in Costa Rica. Apparently, U.S. Marshals did say that her appearance had changed, including a difference in how her nose looked and she had shorter hair. When asked about the bruising that was present under her eyes, which they believed was related to the plastic surgery, she told the feds that the change was from a surfing accident. As well as finding the receipt and passport, or these other things were listed as being found. There was obviously clothing. There were several small wallets. There were credit cards under tons of different names. Caitlin Armstrong, Wheelhouse Mobile, Colin Strickland, and Dynamis Racing. Which, if you listen to the episode that I talked about Caitlin Armstrong, she was dating Colin Strickland, right? Or they were engaged or something. I don't remember exactly. But... 
they also owned Wheelhouse Mobile together, which was like this mobile bike um, accessory or repair shop. And I believe Dynamis Racing was the brand under which Colin Strickland was signed. So she just kept all these credit cards that were basically hers and Colin Strickland's, the fiance, which doesn't seem very smart to me. Like that, I feel like that would be something that they can track. There were also papers with handwritten names, phone numbers, and credit card numbers, receipts for a bus trip, Walmart, and T-Mobile, a white Apple iPhone, currency for the USA, Mexico, and Costa Rica, driver's license cards for Caitlin Armstrong, and a social security number card for Caitlin Armstrong. Originally, her trial was supposed to be set for October, which means they've gone from having her be like a person of interest to, I guess, bringing charges against her for the murder of Mariah Wilson. Um, but it's not really expected that that will be um, when the that that will be when the trial happens. There have been several motions filed by the defense that are estimated to set the trial back from its mid-October date. Some of the motions filed by the defense include one that would stop um, prosecution from making comments to the public ahead of trial, and both the prosecutors and Armstrong's attorney have agreed to the gag order so that it will prevent prejudicial comments to the media. It's thought that the judge is likely to approve said order, and I totally get why. Like, when Caitlin Armstrong was located, she was trending, you know, on social media platforms, and so many people have already you know, basically decided that she's guilty. And yeah, no, it doesn't look good for her. And honestly, she seems like the most likely suspect, but just for like fair trial's sake, I can see why they would want a gag order on this type of, um, on this trial. But that's all the updates I have for Caitlin Armstrong. And the newest update was uh, as of August 24th, so last week, where they said that they were meeting about the motions filed by the defense and the possible gag order. As new information emerges and as we start to learn more, so as we start to learn more and more about what's going on with the whole Armstrong-Wilson trial, I will definitely keep you guys updated uh, because this is one I'm really interested in as it's basically happening in real time. With that being said, I would love to know what you guys think of the whole Armstrong situation. Feel free to reach out to me at Frumius Reads. That's F-R-U-M-I-O-U-S-R-E-A-D-S. And let me know if you're keeping up to date too, or if you've had, if you've heard any other information. With that being said, let's go ahead and talk about our woman of the week. Our woman of the week comes from the late 1700s, South India. She was born around 1750 and died around 1777. One of my favorite resources to use is Rejected Princesses, which if you guys have been following the podcast for a while, you know I get a lot of inspiration from there. Rejected Princesses is amazing. It's Their tagline is history that's more than two-dimensional. On their title for her, they call her the South Indian whack-a-mole champion from 1777 to present. Obviously, that really grabbed my attention, so I had to learn more information about her. Her name is Onake Obava, and I really hope I'm trying. I'm saying that right. Onake lived in this fort town called Chitradurga at a rough time in history. There was a huge warlord known as Hyder Ali, who had been basically conquering tons of the surrounding area. Her city is in the middle of this, like, tower boulders and hills and it's a very small town but its location made it really hard to get to. Hyder Ali he had at first let Chitra Durga kind of just exist and not really paid them much attention 
But then one of the political leaders who had been allied with Hyder switched sides. And of course, that could not go unpunished. And he tried to attack Chitradurga so many times. But because of its location, just being up in the hills and really having tons of rocks around it, it was really hard to get into. And any attacks that he attempted were unsuccessful. After all these attacks, bribes, and meeting with informants, he finally found one weakness when one of his soldiers observed a person could enter this fortress by crawling through a small crevice between the rocks surrounding the whole area. Now, the hole was big enough for only one person to crawl through at a time. But having learned this information, Hyder Ali decided that the only way he was going to be able to attack the city was to send his soldiers through this crevice into the fort. Now, the soldiers inside Chitradurga had actually known that this was a weakness, so there was always supposed to be a soldier guarding this hole, which is referred to as a kindi in multiple sources. So the plan was that Hyder Ali would send in his soldiers single file, and when enough had entered, they would start attacking. They even knew that there was supposed to be a guard in that area, but they also learned that he regularly took off for lunch and decided that attacking around lunchtime would be the best way to get in. This guard was Kahel Mada Hanuma, and he was Onake Abava's husband. One afternoon, while he was at home for lunch, he asked, o he asked Onake if she could go and get some drinking water for him. On her way to going to get the drinking water, she heard the soldiers trying to enter into the fort from the crevice. Thinking quickly, she took a long pestle, which was like this long wooden club, essentially. It was used to pound patty and other grains, and she smacked the soldiers on the head and killed them instantly as they came in one by one through the fort. She then dragged his lifeless body out, shoved it to the side, and set up for the next soldier. The soldiers were in total stealth mode here, right? So when the second soldier didn't hear anything from the first soldier, that was actually the plan. He wasn't supposed to be making any noise. So the second soldier went through, and the same thing happened. She would wait in a corner by the wall. When she saw their heads come out, she would smack them in the head with the club, either knocking them out or killing them instantly and then she would shove the corpse off to the side and this happened again and again and again until her husband wandered out for some water because she had never come back and found that his wife was standing over essentially a tower of corpses there are some people who say that at this point she had murdered upwards of a hundred men now at this point when her husband saw what was happening he was able to run over and sound the alarm and guards were finally called to reinforce this attack. Unfortunately, Obava died the same day that this infiltration happened, but the actual reason for her death is unknown. Some people say that it was sheer exhaustion, that she actually just dropped dead because she had been standing there murdering and then pulling the dead bodies for so long that her body just gave out, or that one of the invaders finally got through and stabbed her before she caved his head in. Even though Obava definitely took down and like made a huge dent in the Hyder Ali's soldiers. Chitra Durga would fall to the conquering soldiers at a later time. Honestly, the way she rose the situation, this woman who had absolutely no experience with battle or warfare or fight training or anything like that, just decided to take it upon herself to stop these enemies from infiltrating the fort 
is really amazing. Now what's interesting is, and this is something I didn't really realize until later on during my research, but her first name is not actually Onake. Onake is the name for the kind of staff or like club that she used to, you know, cave in the enemy soldiers' heads. Her legacy has lived on and actually the crevice that she was once guarding is now called the Obavana Kindi, which is basically kind of like translates to the Obava crevice. And Chitradurga actually has a stadium named after her. Something else really cool is that the Chitradurga police in 2018 started a Obava Paid, which was a group of women police constables to protect and educate women in the district. They were deployed to various parts of the district, teaching women basic self-defense, educating about the Protection of Children from Sexual Offenses Act, um, offenses over the Indian Penal Code, Drugs and Psychotropic Substance Substances Act, cybercrimes, and mobile offenses. So basically just kind of going around teaching women how to be safe and different things that would help them when it came to prosecuting or knowing what crimes had been violated. This was also implemented in Bengaluru the same year by the Bengaluru West Division Police and in 2019 the Shivamoga Police D District started the squad with two female constables and one male constable patrolling the city, covering schools, colleges, and other places to keep tabs on what was going on in the community, which is really cool. This is someone who I had never heard of. It sounds like she's really celebrated in the city that she affected and like is really well known. There is actually a observation day in her honor on November 11th. She really is just kind of considered to be the epitome of Chitraduga pride. But yeah. That is the story of Onake Abava. I would love to know what you guys thought of this episode and if you have any more information on her, let me know in the comments down below. If you guys are looking for the sources I used, I used obviously Rejected Princesses as I mentioned before, but I also went to a medium.com article titled Onake Abava, an extraordinary story of an ordinary Indian woman, indianexpress.com, an article about Onake Abava and Karnataka's celebration of her bravery. If you guys are looking for the information that I found, those are the articles that I used. Obviously Wikipedia was in there too, but Wikipedia didn't have a ton of information other than just kind of like the general story. That's all I have for you guys today. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode and I will talk to you next week. Stay spooky, friends. Goodbye.